Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Happy 2017, everyone. And our show today is focused on how to have the best year ever, emotionally, physically, intellectually, and even spiritually. But before we learned how to actually keep those resolutions we made to be better than before in all four of those areas, I just want to say a quick hello to the woman who puts the happy and happy new year, my producer, Lori Houston. Hi, Lori. Hi, Jane. Happy new year. <laughs> happy new year to you. Now, I want to share with everyone my favorite quote, which is the perfect lead-in to the great show we have today. And it is from none other than Willy Wonka. And I think you know this quote, Lori. If you want to view paradise, simply look around and view it. Anything you want to do, do it. Want to change the world? There's nothing to it. Which brings us to today's guests. You know, it takes more than just eating kale, thinking happy thoughts, and running around the block to get you from where you are to where you want to be. It doesn't just happen. You have to put a little work in yourself. After the break, we'll focus on the physical, how to have a body that is better than before with a renowned fitness expert, but it all starts with the mind. And there is no one better out there who can help us put our mindset in the right place for the new year than our next guest. Dr. John McGrail. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a great friend of the show and a very dear friend of mine. In fact, I've quoted him extensively in my book, Long Live You, and in many of my columns. Dr. John is a widely recognized clinical hypnotherapist, self-improvement expert, and spiritual teacher, and author of the best-selling book, The Synthesis Effect, Your Direct Path to Personal Power and Transformation. He has worked with thousands and thousands of people in his clinical practice and self-improvement and motivational seminars and workshops, helping them get over their fears, anxieties, and feelings of being overwhelmed at times. And needless to say, I have his number on speed dial. Most recently, he came out with a series of videos, A Better You in a Minute or Two, which is which are extremely effective. And we're going to talk about some of the tips and tools he recommends for making this year a fabulous one. Welcome to the show, Dr. John. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Jane. It's so great to be back with you. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, and it's so wonderful to have you with us. All right, Dr. John, let's start with those resolutions. You know, for the most part, they get broken like at 12.01 on January 1st, (laughs) as you know. Uh, And you devoted one of your excellent videos to just this very subject. It was called Resolutions Make Them Stick. And it's not just for New Year's, as you know. You know, we're always making some sort of promises to ourselves. So I ask you, Dr. John, how do we make them stick? Well, you know, it's really interesting because resolutions are a great thing. And, and, you know, the new year is just sort of symbolic, but it is a time for a fresh start. And I can't think of anybody that doesn't have something about their lives that they would like to change because they know that if they do, they're going to be better off for it. But the, the number one thing is to make sure, this is rule number one, that whatever you resolve to do to change your life for the better, it is a resolution that you're making for you and by you. In other words, 
You're not doing it because your husband, wife, brother, sister, girlfriend, boyfriend, or whomever wants you to do it or is trying to force you to do it or thinks you will be better off for it. I mean, everybody knows how we should live our lives, and everybody can tell us exactly what we need to do to make things better. And if you make a resolution based on that because someone else expects or wants or thinks, uh, there's virtually no chance that that you will succeed. So the first thing is that it's got to be for you by you. How will I feel when I do this? And that's where you start. Yeah, I guess I can tell Bob to eat as much kale as possible, but if he won't do it, he won't do it. So he's got he's got to want to do that's it, right? right? <laughs> Bob, right. if, you know, if you're get, listening. I get so many calls from potential clients, and they say, you know, I want to come in to and just fill in the blank, quit smoking, stop biting my nails, get rid of my stress, anxiety, get over a fear. And if I, I pre-screen everybody, and if I detect, it usually doesn't take very long because they'll say, my wife wants me to, my husband wants me to, or whomever, I don't take the case because it just never works. Uh, change is hard enough anyway, even when it's for ourselves, because we're hardwired to resist change, and we, I'm sure we'll get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's number one. And then, of course, the second part is that you have to commit to yourself. And what I demand from every client I work with and all my workshop students is this attitude, at least going in from a conscious level. I will do whatever it takes to make this happen. I will do whatever it takes to make this happen, which may sound a little overwhelming at first. Uh, And then we get to that. It really isn't very hard. But if you don't have that attitude, if you just go into it sort of, well, yeah, maybe, again, no chance for success. Uh, So that's the second piece. And the third piece, and I know we've talked about this many times, is that you have to go into uh, the, the concept of changing your life, whatever it is, embracing process. You don't go to bed on New Year's Eve and wake up on New Year's Day and boom, you're different. I mean, everybody wants hacks. We're all looking for instant gratification. Technology has sort of spoiled us, but it doesn't work. And I can't tell you how many people have want to go from A to Z and skip all the stuff in between. Changing your life is a process, and if you take it as such, if you embrace the concept of process, because that's all life really is, it's a Mm never-ending process until it ends, uh, then you have a much better chance for success, and that's where I start with all my clients, uh, is that concept of process, and you and I have talked about that many times over the years. Many, 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 many times. In fact, I love what you told me, and I've actually quoted this in my book about change being a process, is that one of the mistakes that we make, we look at the end of the process and we think of everything that we have to do to get there. And it becomes so overwhelming that, you know, we shut down. We, we can't process one thing more. You know, as you say, you can't climb a mountain in a single bound, uh, that you have to take things a step by step. And that's the hard part, you know, taking life's challenges one by one. And I think that's where we kind of get, we need help. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's unbelievable. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough and, and honored to be asked to, to uh, act as an expert on this sort of human empowerment or personal development, self-help, whatever, a, a lot during the year, both, both on shows like yours, which I love to do. You're my favorite. You know that. I do. Uh, but also a lot of, mag- uh, yeah, of course you do. Uh, a lot of um, magazine writers and bloggers and, and podcasters uh, contact me for comments on this sort of thing. And what I see over and over and over again uh, is this concept of give me a hack. Give me a shortcut. 
I, you know, I don't want to have to do what re- is required to, to get where I want to get to. And unfortunately in life, in really living an empowered life, there are no hacks except to embrace that concept that you're going to go a choice at a time, a step at a time. And if you do it that way, just like walking up that, that metaphorical mountain, Mm-hmm. Uh, which I use a lot in my lectures. You know, you look up at the top of the mountain, you say, oh, man, I can't get up there. It's dark and cold, and, and but you can start walking. And the next thing you know, you're up there looking down. And when you do it that way, then that concept of commitment, I'll do whatever it takes to get this done, isn't so scary and overwhelming because it really is just a step at a time. And it's amazing uh, if you get the right assistance, which is probably the next piece we should talk about. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how quickly you actually can make that change, make that resolution, make that new you, you. And, you know, then, as you say, you, you're better than before or you've created a better you. Uh, right. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, in and, and, and one of your episodes also, you talk about multitasking and that it's a debilitating behavioral pattern that is both rampant in our society and really, really bad for us. And I think part of... Uh, what we do is we take on so much that it, it is hard to sort of pare it down. We try to multitask. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I can only do one thing at a time, and I hope I'm even good at that. But, you know, we, we do think so much is expected of us, and I think that causes a lot of stress and, unto itself, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, multitasking is so celebrated in modern Western culture. And what, I'm, what I mean by modern Western culture is technology-driven culture, which is most of the world now. Uh, not just us, you know, we think of us as the West, but uh, the truth of the matter is, and there, there are so many studies that have been done on this, uh, and you can just go to the internet and look it up, it's fascinating, um, if, um, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is nobody can do more than one thing at a time. Multitasking is a myth, it doesn't happen. What really happens is serial tasking, so we start something, then we go to something else, then we go to something else, then we go to something else, kind of like juggling a million balls. But you can only touch one ball at a time, and you can only catch one ball at a time. And what happens, of course, is that it is. It's very stressful because, and ladies and gentlemen, I hate to break this news to you if you think you're a multitasker. The human brain, from an evolutionary perspective, is designed to do one thing at a time. That's how our incredibly miraculous computer is designed to work. And if you try to do more than one thing at a time, it adds stress. And of course, then, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, throw in the expectations of other people. Oh, and the next thing you know, you're a quivering mess and you're in my office for anxiety treatments, which is probably 80 or 90 percent of the people I see these days are stressed and anxious. And that's a big part of it. So you're absolutely right. One thing at a time. And then the, there used to be a video and I've been trying to find it. There was a video where they did an experiment and they gave two people a set of tasks to do. And one person had to multitask and the other person had to, these were the rules of the, of the study, had to do one thing at a time. And you kind of watch this unfold over about three minutes. And at the end of the three minutes, the person who was trying to multitask is just a quivering mess. The, you know, his, his hair's messed up and just a mess. And, and the other person's been sitting back there for two minutes having a cup of coffee because he finished early. I, and, I, and I can't find a video. I've been searching for it because I want to feature it in one of my videos. But yeah, multitasking doesn't work. Do one thing at a time. Do it well. You'll feel better. You'll be more efficient. You'll be more successful. And and I always say, stop worrying about what other people expect of you. It's not your. It's not your. Their life. It's your life. 
expect what you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's, that is very true. In fact, I tell this story often. The time that I did try to multitask, I ended up sending my daughter to nursery school in her pajamas by accident. <laughs> so it's just, it it, it does, doesn't, doesn't work for me. But, you know, the, the other thing that um, we've talked about is a lot of people feel uh, sorry for themselves, that they're victims, you know, and that, that's sort of getting in the way of their self-improvement as well. They're a victim of life rather than feeling responsible for their own actions. And one of my favorite expressions is first time you're a victim, second time you're a volunteer. And in truth, as you know, it's easier to, to blame uh, someone else. Just ask my husband. I also add whining and complaining, of course, along with the blaming. Um, but let's talk a little bit about more why it is so important to take uh, uh, responsibility for your own actions and not just blame it on someone else, which is a lot easier to do. Well, sure, it's easy to blame other people. And, you know, what I what I often explain to clients, because the truth of the matter is most of our adult problems were planted as seeds in our early life, in, in childhood. That's when we're programmed to be who we are. And the truth of the matter is a lot of us don't have very good parents. You know, uh, kids don't come with instruction manuals, and many people parent their children the way they were parented, which wasn't very good, and it just kind of, you know, rolls on from generation to generation. And so you get a lot of folks that say, well, you know, it was my mother or my father. And, and I say, you know what, when you were a little kid and you didn't know better, yes, you were a victim. Now you're an adult. Now you have control over what you think, what you say, what you feel, and how you act. And it is your responsibility because they're not here anymore. And even if they're here, whose life is it? Whose path is it? So take that responsibility because it has been scientifically proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that we do through our thoughts, through our actions, through what we say and how we behave, we do create our own reality. The law of attraction, which is so popular and faddish, is a scientific law. Energy, which is all our thoughts and actions are, flows along lines of attractions. When you drop a pen, it doesn't go up into the air. It's attracted to the earth. That's gravity. And that is the basic flow of of energy. So we do create our reality. And if you want to blame somebody and be a victim, great. But that's where you're going to stay forever. And it's really not very healthy. Yeah, no. Or fun. Or fun, exactly. And and another thing, in in the beginning you mentioned that we have to actually want to do it. Nobody else can tell us uh, to do it because that's not going to work. But, you know, we also uh, focus a lot on on how we can improve other people, you know, we, we sort of take it off of ourselves and, and try to improve someone else. And when that doesn't work, of course, they don't listen to us. Bob, are you listening? Uh, it becomes frustrating and detrimental to our own emotional uh, progress, as it were. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's another thing we do. We say, well, you know, instead of ourselves, we focus on making someone else better. <laughs> so why do we do that? Well- Well, you know, sometimes it's easier to push our own stuff off on other people, but everybody wants to be right. I mean, there's a certain inherent, I think it's probably based in ego, but everybody wants to be right. And what we don't understand is that every other human being on the planet has a different reality than we do, because we all make, we all perceive reality through our filters, the filters of our upbringing, our behavioral programming, our attitudes, values, beliefs. And we all think that what we are seeing, feeling, and doing is reality, but it's not. It's just our perception of it. And so you, if you take that desire to be correct and to feel good with, with the fact that we are not 
viewing or experiencing life the way any other person on the planet is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a really easy way not to have to deal with our own stuff. Uh, everybody knows how we should live our lives. I mean, God, we all get great advice. Uh, so that's where it comes from. And the interesting thing is, and you mentioned it, Jane, is that you can't change anybody yeah. but yourself. Uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, uh, Abraham Hicks, and I don't know if you're familiar with them, but uh, Esther Hicks has just this, got this incredible gift. They say over and over again, and one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned is you cannot give someone the answers if they're not asking the questions. And that goes back to why I never take a case if someone calls me and says, my so-and-so wants me to do so-and-so. I say, you know, I can't help you. If you want to do it, then we'll talk, and I can help you make it happen very, very quickly. But you can't change anybody else. Uh, you can't make them quit smoking. You can't make them lose weight. You can't make them see the world the way you do. I mean, how many marriages go down in flames because uh, one person, one member of the marriage says, well, when he or she sees the light, it'll all be good, and I'm the one that can help them. No, no, no. <laughs> right. In fact, nothing's going to change until you do. You know, that's that's what I, I, I think also. That A lot of people think, well, if she or he changes, then that's going to make everything all right, but you're the one that's got to also <laughs> change. I think. Right. And the, truth, yeah. and the truth is, if, if, you know, people's core values don't match, then, you know, that's just going to be an endless conflict because core values are pretty much unchangeable. Right. So, Bob, please eat the damn kale. OK, <laughs> please, please, please eat the leafy greens. I mean, that's that's the, the least you can do here after 42 after 41 years of marriage. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, choices and, and what what I believe also is that we have uh, two choices to make each day, you know, make excuses or, or make something happen. And of course, many people do make excuses. And, and in one of your videos, you talk about the power of choice in our lives. And, and we learn and from that, that it's always a choice, you know, it feels like life is happening to us, but in reality, it's not. And our reality is in fact, the accumulation or the cumulative result of all of our choices. Um, so talk a little bit about that, about how we, how do we go about choosing the right path? Well, it begins with becoming what I call conscious and aware. Most of us go through our lives virtually on autopilot. We get up, we go through the day, and we're not really thinking or aware of, of what we're doing. We're just sort of running our programs, if you will. The subconscious part of the mind uh, is very much like a computer, and it's the most powerful and massive part of the mind. And so it starts with becoming mindful saying, hey, I'm in this situation. I'll give you a really stupid one, but here's, you know, uh, in L.A., of course, everybody drives cars, and, and it's a, you, the traffic is, is just unbelievably horrible some days. And so people are in the traffic every single day, and every single day when they get in the traffic, they get all wigged out and stressed, and they beat their horns, and they swear, and they go, ah. but they're in the traffic. So in that moment, you have a choice. If you're mindful, you can say, okay, it's the traffic. It's the same traffic I'm in every day. I can get all wigged out, beat my horn, and get stressed and have a stroke. Or, hey, look at that hawk up there. Because I'm in the traffic. I can choose how I respond rather than just reacting subconsciously. And that is the beginning of personal change and development is to say, you know what? I have a choice in what I think. I have a choice in what I say. I have a choice in what I do based on what comes in. Now, I can't control what other people are saying or doing, but how I respond to it 
is absolutely a choice. And as you know, in the video of that episode, I, I take a coin out. Every coin has two sides. Human beings, and you know this, we've talked about this many times before, but mm-hmm. we are all about contrast. That is how we evaluate our entire lives in terms of contrast, positives and negatives, good, bad, happy, sad, pain, pleasure, all the way up to peace and war, yin and yang. And so that contrast coin, positive or negative, has two sides. And, you know, the old saying, uh, the glass is half empty or the glass is half full. What I teach my clients and students is I don't want you to think about the glass being half full. Think about it being full. Flip that coin as much as you can. And you're not going to be perfect at it, but with practice, like any skill, it's amazing how well we can begin to flip the contrast coin so that we're looking at the positive side, so that we are responding in a way to situations, to what people say, to whatever. We, we respond in a way that serves our growth, serves our well-being and the greater good. We always want to throw the greater good in there because it's not just about me, me, me. Right. But when you respond instead of react, Suddenly, your life starts working so much better, and suddenly you're attracting so much more of what you want, and that's how it happens. That's how it goes. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I was passing a a liquor store the other day, and they said, uh, big sign, glasses. You can look at a glass as being half full or half empty, but you still have to fill it. And I thought, gee, that's a liquor store's way of putting a very positive slant on that (laughs) saying, right? Absolutely. I love it. Right, right. And, you know, what I think is interesting, though, speaking of, you know, what we were talking about and creating these these obstacles, some of us want so badly to be successful, but um, we keep putting obstacles in our way that, that prevents it. So we're almost self-sabotaging ourselves. What? Why, why is this? You say that life is supposed to be fun. Rule number one, which I have I, quoted many, many times, but sometimes we're making yes. our own lives even more difficult. Right. Counterproductive. Well, <laughs> counterproductive. You know, part of it, again, um, I, I hate to keep blaming the subconscious mind, but whether we like it or not, that's how our minds are constructed. And we are programmed at a very early stage of our lives to be who and what we are, our attitudes, our values, our beliefs. Now, we, you know, a child can be programmed to believe that they can accomplish anything they want as long as they're willing to put in the work, that they're talented, that they're loved, that they're respected, that they're validated – Or a child can be programmed to think that, you know, the best you'll ever do is if you get through high school or, you know, why can't you be more like your brother or, you know, and and at that age, the subconscious computer doesn't care whether the inputs, the programming is positive or negative. It just takes it in. And so that's part of it. We're programmed to have limiting beliefs, to have a lack of feeling worthy of having what we want. And so those programs are very, very powerful and very difficult to overcome. That's, that's part of it. And the other part of it is that human beings are hardwired. It's in our DNA to resist change. Even when the change we know is going to be very powerful for us, is going to help us and, and allow us to live much more freely and more happily. Life is supposed to be fun. Um, but we are hardwired to resist change. There's the old, you know, it's the pain pleasure principle, which says every organism will choose pleasure over pain. But what people don't realize is that pleasure in that uh, reference isn't necessarily pleasurable. Pleasure is familiar. And very often, most often, familiar isn't so good. And so we try to make a change. And for a little while with willpower, it feels pretty good. But then 
we slip right back into our old program because it's familiar. And that is really the basis of everything I do in my practice uh, and in my seminars is help people overcome that innate resistance that we all have at some level or another, which is why I say to everybody, if you really want your resolutions to stick, make sure they're for you, make sure you're going to commit, do it with a lot of love, honor, and respect for yourself, embrace process, but understand that you're probably going to need a little help. It may only be a session or two to shift that internal computer, but almost all of us need it. And that's just unfortunately the way human beings are wired. So why do you think you're on my speed dial, Dr. John? <laughs> There's a reason. <laughs> well, you know, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, you and I are on opposite ends of the country. And, and exactly. you know, we, and I, you know, I, because of technology, which in, in some ways gets us in a lot of trouble, but I've got clients literally around the world. You know, you don't, you don't have to be face-to-face anymore to get this work done. And it's just, it, you know, I, I, I hate to see people continue to suffer year after year after year when with just a little assistance, they can really reprogram themselves to live the way they want to. And so I love it when I work with folks around the world, uh, whether it's here in the U.S. Or, or Canada or, you know, the only continent I don't think I've got clients in is Antarctica at this point. Oh, well, you should be on everybody's speedo. Let me just put it. Let, let me just t- well, t- tell, tell it like it is. There, there you go. I should Lori, but I don't think Lori wants to be. So there you go. She's a, she's also a very calming factor in my life. Now, on the opposite end, let's talk anxiety, okay? Um, sure. Because that's 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 important. We have a couple of minutes to to go into that. <clears throat> One of the books that uh, you talk about in your in your video is "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff," and it's it's always small stuff. And yes. and what I love that you you said to me. Um, is there's always a way out, and you even have a, a term for that. That some some of us, you know, if you're given to anxiety, you feel trapped. You almost feel like um, claustrophobic. And you said that you can always leave. You know, they, that nothing is is nothing is stopping right. you from just leaving. Even if you're on a on the road, you pull over, you get out of the car, anything. So talk a little bit about the best ways to conquer anxiety. Well, again, the, the, the cause of anxiety, as you just mentioned, is feeling trapped, is feeling out of control. That is the root cause of all anxiety, is either fearing that you're going to be out of control or fearing that you are out of control. And so the, the thing that is most important with people who are anxious is to have them realize, first of all, the fear is almost always irrational. In other words, your response is is in far greater proportion to the actual risk, which is sometimes none. Um, and then, and then the other thing is is that you do have a choice. That's the the last little mnemonic in my anxiety thing is there is always an option. And if you remember that, that helps you get that sense of control. The other thing, of course, is that the only person or thing or being that you can ever completely control is yourself. Mm-hmm. And again, with it, it, it is a step by step, it, it is a process. Getting over anxiety is an instant by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I've become a bit of an expert at it over the years simply because my caseload has just gotten that way. I'd say literally when I say this, and I think there's a, a new little video I've got out now about stress and anxiety uh, that people can find on my YouTube channel, John McGrail. But um it's amazing how quickly you can get over it and get that sense of control. Uh, and, and 
ultimately, I mean, we might as well say this, ultimately that fear of control is fear of death. We, we don't like the fact that we're only here for a short time, and we know that. And that's the, the, the ultimate seed of all anxiety. But when you begin to realize that not only do you have much more control over how you live your life while you are here, um, the scientific evidence behind the fact that we are timeless beings in a physical body and that death is just a transition, it's not the end, there's just a lot of science behind that now, really helps people get a sense of, okay, all right, let's kind of reset this. But it is a process. It doesn't have to take a long time. Overnight. Uh, yeah. It's not overnight, but it can be almost right. overnight. And, right. a, and what, what's, what's amazing is, you know, I've got people that, uh, that I work with that have been anxious for years and years and years, and within a few weeks, they're not. And they think, oh, my God, it's magic. It's not. It's just a readjustment of how your mind works and, and, and how you take control over yourself. All right. So you're always giving us such positive, wonderful advice. In our final 30 seconds, Dr. John, can you just give us yes. some quick advice to live with? Well, I'd say that the number one thing is to realize that we do create our own reality. No matter how much you think you are a victim, you're not. And you can Everybody that's listening, please understand this. You can make your life work the way you want it to. It's probably going to take a little assistance, but if you go through some of the steps we talked about and you get the help, you can have the life of your dreams rather than the one you thought you were stuck with. It is doable. And uh, I don't know if you're going to give out my website or my phone number, but if of anybody has I questions, that I is, always, oh, there you go. I <laughs> right here. Offer give it out. Complimentary chat on the phone. Uh, whether you end up working with me or not is irrelevant, but if I can help people uh, find their way to that, that that makes it for me. That's that's you know for whatever reason that's what I was chosen to do. But it's doable. It is doable. I promise you. As, as bad as you may think it is, it's doable. And as they say, nobody does it better. Thank you so much, Dr. John McGrail, for being with us. As always, come back. There are so many more things that we we must talk about and and everyone please 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 download your video a better you in a minute or two your series of videos they are wonderful really really wonderful and and extremely helpful so thanks again for being with us and come back soon well thank you so very much jane it's it's always a delight uh for with with you as well everyone stay with us when we come back we're going to be talking to fitness expert eugene floyd about how to be better than before body-wise. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us. We'll be back. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins Michael Show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune into Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins Michael and better than before. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm here with Lori, as always. Well, most of any resolution this new year will include, I want to be fitter. I want to have a body that's better than before. I want to have smaller thighs or, or a smaller butt. But fitness goes beyond just looking good. When you look better, you feel better. It improves your health, your self-esteem, your quality of life. Strong, in fact, is the new skinny. And there are enormous benefits to reap from exercising for cardiovascular, metabolic, even cognitive health. It increases the feel-good transmitters like dopamine and serotonin, so you feel less depressed, better than wine. 
well, at least as good. So here to help us get that body that is better than before is fitness expert Eugene Floyd. He is the fitness uh, director of of TCR, which is the Club of Riverdale. It is my personal club, and he's very passionate about continuing the excellent programs they offer and also introduce fun, exciting, and cutting-edge ones as well. Gene's life story is extremely inspirational, and he'll tell us about that as well. Welcome to the show, Eugene. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. It is a pleasure. Well, you know, Eugene, in the first segment, we talked about sticking to your resolutions. And every January, Mm -hmm. over one third of us promise to get fit in the new year. But in the end, just about 8% succeed in reaching our goals. That means 92% don't. For the most part, I just got a I got an email about that right before we went on the air. So I'm quoting figures that I'm not actually sure of, but it sounds like it probably is right. Why is that? Well, I think uh, uh, being in this industry so long, one of the biggest things is or people set goals, uh, but the goals are so uh, large that they don't give themselves the chance to be successful. Uh, for instance, a person will set a goal to say, I want to lose 50 pounds. Well, in the first two weeks, if they don't see a significant weight loss, even though there are changes that are going on, they get discouraged and they think that uh, uh, that the entire uh, the exercise or the fitness industry does not work. Yeah, that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big goal because most people want to lose it like thinner by dinner. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think you think you can just lose it just by you know not eating ice cream for like one meal. So that 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 doesn't always that doesn't always work, right? You have to combine. It. But what I've found, Eugene, and I'm sure you know this is as well because you are obviously in the fitness industry. But I think exercise, doing something, is really really important. And and a Navy SEAL once told me, when it comes to fitness, there is no such thing as being booked up. There are 24 hours in a day. You can always find. 30 minutes to exercise. And you know, that that is correct, right? And I divide people into four groups, people who like to work out, you know, I I personally find it the greatest way to relieve stress. Uh, People who don't like to work out, but do it because um, they know the health benefits, my my husband Mm -hmm. being one of those. Uh, People Mm -hmm. who make an honest effort, you know, like joining a health club, but then um, do every single one of the machines in one day get hurt and and never go back, making it the most expensive (laughs) leg press on the planet mm-hmm. and then people who don't do any form of exercise at all so now um eugene with all the, the as i just mentioned with all the research pointing to the health benefits of being fit and everything that i just mentioned why isn't everyone making some sort of effort what is holding them back knowing that it's so beneficial for their health well i'll i'll take my story uh, uh as an example uh when i started or wanted to to start working out sometimes we're afraid of the success and i know that sounds uh, a little peculiar but what happens is any one of these uh the four that you mentioned the like to work out even the don't like to work out or the honest effort those three there's a change that has to be made and when we make that change uh you know there's no going back. Once you begin to see the results, you, you want to keep having them. So you have to continue to make the change. And to make the change, you have to get out of your comfort zone. 
And as we know, people do not like to be out of their comfort zone. It's painful. Mm-hmm. But the the advantages to starting that healthy lifestyle, maintaining that lifestyle, the, the advantages far outweigh the 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 risks of not maintaining one. Um, and so for the people who don't do any form, it, that seems like it's, you know, a thousand miles away. But uh, as the old adage goes, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So if we can get them to take that one step, we're on our way. Yes. And I'm sure you've heard every single one, every single excuse, like the, the dog ate my tights. <laughs> Exactly. I can't exactly. find the time, the equipment, the money, all of the above. So what are some of the yeah. excuses that uh, you have heard? Uh, let's start with oh, no time. Exactly. Um, with no time, it, you know, I think they equate no time with wanting to or needing to go into a club. Now, of course, yes, we would love to see people uh, uh, in, in a facility because that way we have you um, – you know, with all of uh, all of the equipment that we we have at our disposal, but it, you know, if you weren't doing anything and you started with five minutes uh, of just walking, um, you're already making you're taking that step toward a journey. So most people say that they have no time. Well, if you have five minutes, you just talked about thirty minutes. Thirty minutes is two percent of your day. It's so we're only asking for two percent. If you did a 15-minute workout, we're asking for 1% of your day. Um, and in that same, you know, that, that same vein, people say, well, I don't have a treadmill or I don't have a stepper. Uh, you know, body weight exercise or, or walking for cardiovascular around your neighborhood requires no equipment. It just requires you uh, and, and the effort. And, you know, most people say, well, I don't have the money to, uh, to join a club or to pay for a trainer. Well, just like we said, it does not cost anything to walk. Really, the only cost is that that sacrifice of you wanting to make that change to be better. Yeah, well, that's very, very true. You have to make it. And and I, it's just there's so many good things about it. I mean, as I talked about Bob, my husband, who also comes to TCR, uh, it's it he makes that effort because he knows that it's mm-hmm. so good for his health. And he had a heart attack a year and a half ago. I mean, go figure with what I do, right? <laughs> he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't always listen. We talked about in the first segment about you can't really change another person until they really want to change. But the one thing about the, about exercising and now he's so proud of the way his body looks you know he'll be flexing his muscles it just you have to stop him from like pulling up his shirt at the at business <laughs> meetings to show his his abs and you know it's a sense of pride in yourself when you Absolutely. feel good and again it's it's not really about it's about feeling good you know when you look yeah. good you feel better there's no question about that so you know Eugene, you, you mentioned a little bit about yourself but let's talk about you your life story is is very very compelling as I also mentioned in the intro. Um, and sometimes you have to hit rock bottom as a wake-up call to change your life. And, and you did. Mm-hmm. You lost, what, 150 pounds? And, yes, and the, looking the at I you, guess, Eugene, yeah. uh, you know, you'd never know you had a weight issue to begin with, ever. I mean, tell yes. us a little bit about your journey. Uh, well, I, my family is originally from the South. So I grew up in a traditionally Southern family. So I grew up uh, uh, with food being my, you know, my, my comfort. One of the first things uh, I did as a young adult, uh, you know, most kids want to go play football. I asked my mother how to make fried chicken. Um, so, you know, with that, 
you know, food became my escape. And so I carried that throughout my, my teens and, and my, you know, my, my early adulthood. And, you know, as people say, I woke up one morning and there I was, you know, stepping on the scale. And I remember distinctly looking at the scale and when it went past 300 and kept on going, I was, I was, was, was dumbfounded is probably really the way to describe it. So I decided at that point um, um, that I needed to do something, but as most people do, I ended up failing because I had no direction. And then uh, I had a, a, a catastrophic leg injury um, at, at the age of, of 20. And, you know, the doctors looked at me and then they said, son, if you don't do something about your weight, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 24. Right. Well, you know, you hear the words heart attack at the age of 24 um, and it, it will it will light a fire under you. And so, you know, that was the beginning of joining a health club. Um, and I was, you know, that person, you know, like you said, that goes to every machine until we get uh we get lost um and then finally i hired a trainer he sat me down and he was brutally honest with me and told me this is what you need to do to get to a goal um and after i began to see those results uh uh, they couldn't get rid of me i kind of switched everything I, i was doing uh um switched my major in college and and really you know jumped in, you know, head first into this industry. And I, I, I'm in love with it and have been in love with it for, for 22 years, 23 years. So let's talk about uh, food a little bit too. That's important, mm-hmm. right? You have to combine it. It's, it's not just working out. You have to combine it by eating properly. Do you not? Yes, absolutely. That is the fuel to do anything uh, uh, working out wise. I mean, one of the biggest things we try to do is get uh, you know, members and clients to think about their pre-workout meal and their post-workout meal. So your, your body is, is a machine. So for any machine to run, we need to, to fuel it before it will go through any type of workout. Um, and then when you're done your workout, you need to replace what you, what you depleted. Um, and, and there are some people that say, oh, I work out on an empty stomach. Um, and, and, you know, for some people that may work, but by and far, we want to get carbohydrates, protein, and fats together, all three macronutrients in your body before you begin to work out. So how do we do that? What, what are, specifically, what food do we eat? So, you know, you don't have to take the, the Lance Armstrong, you know, or triathlete, you know, two bowls of oatmeal, or I know Michael Phelps, uh, diet was highlighted where he ate like three bowls of oatmeal and six or 12 eggs. Really, if you're, if you're not in uh, a big eater, um, a slice of toast with peanut butter on it, you know, an hour and a half before you come into workout with water, um, is a great way to fuel your body because you get carbohydrates, fats, and proteins in your body because you're going to utilize all three of them, you know, when you come into, to any workout. So something as small as that, um, especially if time isn't uh, is a uh, if time is is an issue before you come into workout, you know uh, something as small as that, as that. If you're an afternoon workout person, you know an apple with cheese or an apple with peanut butter, um, 
the one thing I will say is we try not to have too much uh, before that workout because there, you, you know, you could run into some, some other issues with, you know, uh, having your stomach be too full, but something. Right. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about sugar. Sugar is, uh, eating sugar is, is this sort of an epidemic these days. Uh, people yeah. eat much too much sugar. And now uh, they're connecting sugar with uh, not only diabetes, but also um, heart disease and inflammation yeah. and, and other uh, other diseases. Does that give you energy before a workout or do you get that high and then low? I mean, how much of it what? do you recommend them eating? You Well, you, you said it with the, the high and the low. What? sugar or refined sugar, um, let's say, uh, you know, granulated sugar or even brown sugar, what you may uh, feel is there seems to be uh, a misconception about uh, energy versus stimulation. If I drink a cup of coffee, that is a stimulant to my system, um, but that's not necessarily energy. Sugar is fuel uh, that we use or, or that refined sugar will become fuel that your, your, your body will, will use for any, you know, given exercise. But it's so processed that your body goes through it quickly. So mm-hmm. you don't want that type of, of a reaction. You want something that will, will burn a little bit slower, hence the, you know, the, the wheat bread um, before the workout. It's a complex carbohydrate. Um, so it will give you a little bit, it'll give you more energy to get through your workout, which may be, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, um, or, or an hour plus. Um, and I think that's where we, we, that's one of the misconceptions is, uh, sugar being, a, uh, reading sort of the wrong way. Sugar is, uh, uh, energy or you'll, you'll crash from sugar, you can crash from sugar, you'll get more caffeine, if that makes sense. Right. No, definitely. I think people think of sugar as energy, but again, we go up and down. So, Eugene, let's talk a strategy. Um, you talk about making a, a, a contract with yourself and that goal should yes. be SMART and S-M-A-R-T, S, specific, M, measurable, A, attainable, R, realistic, T, timely. Talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that. Yes. So we talked in the beginning about someone setting, you know, an audacious goal of, let's say, losing 50 pounds. Um, 50 pounds is certainly, it's achievable, it's attainable, um, but the time aspect. So if we go right from the beginning, be specific. If your goal is to lose, let's say, 50 pounds over the course of the year, break that into smaller uh, specific goals. So by the end of January, we want to lose, uh, let's say, between three and five because true or normal sustainable weight loss is between one to two pounds per week, depending on, you know, how you're tracking your dieting. So it, it's measurable. If you step on the scale today and you were 150 pounds and you want to lose, you know, however much weight, you can see at the end of the week that, okay, I lost a pound. Um, so that is measurable. Um, it's attainable. There, there is a very, uh, 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 the, the amount of weight that you're looking at losing, you won't look at this every morning and go, oh my gosh, I still have, 47 more pounds to go. Um, and it's realistic. Anyone can make small uh, uh, dietetic changes and exercise changes to get to that goal. And when you make that contract with yourself, each month you're going to do a contract. Uh, I'm starting January 1. I'm going to lose five pounds. You write it down. 
post it on your mirror, post it on your, your, your refrigerator, um, and then give another copy to a friend and say, okay, I'm help, you're helping me be accountable mm-hmm. to these goals. And then at the end of the month, you, you, you go back over, you look, at the, you look at the mirror, you look at the mirror, and you look at that accountability system and say, did I hit my goal? And they will be you know, helping motivate you each and every day or each and every week. And so a smart goal is one that, that you know, you're going to feel successful at the end of that 30 days. And you're going to say, hey, I've made this. Well, I'm on track to lose even more than 50 pounds because I've taken the, 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 the slower, consistent uh, uh, route to, uh, uh, to, to my goal. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that in the very beginning, that you can't climb a mountain in a single, and with our with our first guest, can't climb a mountain in a single leap, and change is a, is a process, and you, and you should mm-hmm. do it step by step, because if you look at, at the end of the process, like, oh my God, I have, I have to lose 100 pounds, you become so overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you shut down, and that's it, and exactly. then you head for a, a moon pie. And don't be afraid that if you... Uh, if you are, if you have put yourself on this contract and you have, I know we just finished the holidays. Well, you know, most people have this goal and in the middle of these weight loss goals, we have Valentine's Day, for instance. So if you do have a day where you do slip and, and, and are not following your eating the way that you, uh, that you were, don't be afraid to say, okay, I had this, you know, this, this little sidetrack, I can get right back on course. Just because you have one day off doesn't mean you're a failure. Right. And so the, some people say, well, start, you know, Monday, then Monday becomes next Monday, mm-hmm. and then Monday becomes uh, the the week after, and then you never get started. So just exactly. as you say, make a commitment, make a contract, and, and try to follow it as best you can. And if you go off, so be it. That's not the end of the world. Yes. Get back on. Just exactly. get back on. Exactly. Right? So um, now a lot of people uh, spend a lot of time complaining about their various body parts. Um, What what is what? I remember I was in a either their arms or their butt or those little pot rows under their arms, right? And I was in a spa once years ago, and the instructor said, "Anyone who is happy with their thighs doesn't have to do this exercise." And needless to say, that we all did it. Eugene, what are some of the problem areas that most people complain about, and what can we do about it? Okay, Uh, so. The two biggest areas that we hear are for the midsection, midsection, so right around the, the, the tummy, and then we, we get questions about the, about the legs and the, and, the, and the backside. So biggest way to do that, again, is to, to start with the accountability on the diet. And once we, we start looking at uh, a caloric reduction, we combine that with cardiovascular in part, and then we look at some strength training. Uh, or resistance training uh, uh, activities. So uh, everyone knows what a what a crunch may be, or what a, a plank may be, and that will help uh, uh, with with tightening or strengthening the core. Um, and then your, your your basic squat is is a very very good exercise to do to uh, to strengthen and to, uh, for lack of a better word, tone your lower body because you have so many muscles that are at play. So you get front of the legs, you get back of the leg, and believe it or not, you have some core that's engaged. So those are probably the two big areas. There are a lot of men want to do more with their arms, um, uh, as do women. Um, so there are some, some resistance things we can do. Even a, a push-up will work total body, meaning chest and, 
backs of your arms. When we look at your arms, your tricep, the back of your arm is three quarters of your, of your upper arm. So if we strengthen that area, it gives a, a, a better aesthetic look to your, uh, to your overall, overall arm. So three things, three basic things. We look at the, the, the food intake, we program the cardiovascular, and we look at uh, uh, resistance training to target those areas to work on strength. And altogether, they will get you to that goal because we're burning more calories um, with, with regular uh, exercise. Yeah. So, and we tend to do the, not do the stuff that we don't like. That's more difficult. Like I didn't like squats and I, I now I, if you do them enough, you, you learn to, to like them because that's part of the the program that you offer, but we tend to go with our stronger places and, and sort of ignore the places that we don't like to do. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. make us a little lopsided, but anyway. Um, so, um, Let's uh, in another minute or so. Let's talk about the uh, myths, the exercise myths that we have been inundated yes. with. Uh, very briefly, yes. muscle weighs more than fat. Yes, that is that is not true. Um, the old adage is, if I have a pound of rocks and I have a pound of feathers, which weighs more? Well, a pound is a pound. Well, what we what we traditionally or what we need to think of is what takes up less room: a pound of dense rocks or a pound of fluffy feathers. Obviously, it's the rocks. So the more uh, 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 lean muscle we can create in our body, um, we could weigh 140 pounds but look slimmer because we have the presence of more lean muscle. That's one big myth. Um, uh, another big myth for women is that they don't want to get, they don't want to look like a man when they work out. Um, and it goes into that same thing. Well, women don't carry testosterone. Um, and so the, the chances of them looking like a man are, are slim to none. That's one of the things we've been uh, inundated with in fitness is when you see fitness or women bodybuilders, they think that that's what's going to happen. And that's a training thing. And we try to reeducate that uh, uh, on our end. So, uh, Eugene, tell us uh, where we can find you. Uh, I am at the tennis club or the club of Riverdale. I am uh, easily uh, uh, reached. Uh, my email is eugene at tcr-nyc.com. Um, and I would love to correspond with anyone that has questions because there's so many out there. And it's just been my passion to try to get the truth back in exercise, starting from up top with changing the mindset. And then we, wor- we work through the body from there. Terrific. Well, thank you. And you do a great job, I must say. So that is our show, everyone. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you, Lori. And thank you all for listening. Let us all crush 2017 together and make it even better than before. This is Jane Wilkins. Michael, I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.